episode 50, Patrick and Cyprian delve into the hype surrounding quantum. The team discuss Sabina Hossenfelder's recent video regarding the quantum hype bubble and separating the understanding of real advancements from media bias. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hey, Cyprian, how you doing? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing well. I'm uh, really looking forward for this episode of Untangled Things because this one's going to be slightly different than others, but also, I believe, equally, if not more interesting. Yeah, we're taking the gloves off. We're, we, we don't have a guest today uh, because there's a topic that you and I have both um, seen on the internet that we wanted to talk about, and that's the hype around quantum technology, quantum computing, quantum simulation, all, all these things. And specifically, uh, the lightning rod issue that we both looked at was a, a video by a very well-respected uh, and I think a great um, person as far as educating people on science and technology, Sabina Hussenfelder. Um, and she's a YouTube personality and a scientist, but she's pretty cynical about a lot of things. I've noticed that cynicism is a big part of her um, her genre. And she took a stab at, uh, and literally a stab at quantum technologies. And if you watched it and you didn't pay close attention, you might think she thinks it's all rubbish and, and has no value, uh, which I don't want anybody to come to that conclusion. Now you've watched the video a couple of times as well. I'm sure. What do you think of, of her conclusions or her, her arguments? Well, I would say, Patrick, right from the beginning that uh, in that video, a lot of valid, valid points are being made. So there's obviously uh, no point in hiding some of the shortcomings and some of the issues. But my distinct feeling uh, watching that video was that, you know, as there is a, the, the title of a famous song of a rock band, Fight Fire with Fire, Right. It certainly seems to me that in that video, we're fighting hype with hype. Yeah, um, we we do see a lot of hype in terms of exaggerating the accomplishments and the possibilities of quantum computing. And honestly, I don't think exaggerating the shortcomings of quantum computing is the right way to respond uh, to 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 those those things. So that was my overall feeling while i could resonate with a lot of uh let's say anti-hype and a lot of uh, criticism around the misrepresentation and the misinformation oh, those were valid points very valid so those points. are absolutely valid points but the conclusions but i i had sometimes the feeling that uh some of the let's say shortcomings were completely taken out of context were completely ignoring some of the remarkable achievements uh, that have been happening for the past decade, or maybe even even more more than that. So overall, that was my 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 distinct feeling. And as I said, I think there is a a, a dangerous path of fighting hype with hype or with with counter hype, so to so to speak. Um, it's it's a field that it's such has, I believe, such a high importance that we need to be balanced. And I think that's something both uh, you and I were trying to do ever since episode one. Yeah, We always tried to 
let's say at the end of the day, just be honest to to our listeners. And we have like, obviously, we have one big advantage. We're not making a living out of this podcast. So we are Tell not bound to any marketing <laughs> message or any kind of, uh, let's say, thing that our companies would not allow us to say or thing yeah. that our companies require us to say, which we know it's not entirely true and, and, yeah. and, and so forth. So I... I Honestly, I hoped that video would be, uh, let's say, a more balanced uh, rebuttal of the hype. But in, in some points, I felt that it's kind of sliding to the other extreme where we're just uh, pointing out a few known problems and we're just saying, look, because of this, the field is doomed and there is yeah. gloom all over the place. And and uh, the, the other thing, Patrick, and... Remember our episode that we had with Richard Campbell, where we mm, draw a well. parallel between classical computing and quantum yeah. computing, right? Yeah. Creating this whole theme that winter is coming for quantum computing and thus quantum computing is doomed. Let's just think about one particular area of classical computing artificial intelligence, which has seen not one, but two winters, right, throughout yeah. the history. And yeah. yet, artificial intelligence is alive and well, and is doing amazing things, and is having amazing yeah. accomplishments. So a winter is not necessarily a bad Death thing. Yeah. If we look at, at the history of, of some of the areas of classical computing, Turns out, actually, it is a good thing because it kind of calms down the hype and that allows things to progress in a natural way. I respect anybody who is willing to make a prediction and put a line in the sand. It's difficult. It's not easy to do. I do it all the time. <clears throat> Richard and I, I think, you know, have a couple of other people we talk to and we make predictions. And if we lose, we owe a, a very nice steak dinner to each other. Uh, Richard doesn't take a lot of bets, but but he makes a lot of good predictions. Um, and, and making a prediction is good, but making a prediction that is, doesn't have any stakes. It's kind of like marketing without measurement or science without measurement. It doesn't really accomplish anything. So, okay, you're predicting a winner. What are you predicting is going to actually come out of it? What isn't going to come out of it and making the analogy of, of fusion very early on. Uh, so, so if those who haven't seen the video, we recommend you take a look at it with an eye and a critical eye. You should always take everything, including what we say is a critical uh, just one, one thing, Patrick, I highly recommend everyone to look at the video because even if we don't agree with what's being said there, I believe, or with some of what's being said in the video, it is of utmost importance to look at every single piece of criticism because that's the only way you can stay true to well, what's really happening in the field, right? Ignoring these kinds of videos is really not not going to help anyone. A living in an echo chamber is never good. So we seek out. I find that I make my best predictions when I seek out equal measures of disagreement with an agreement. But but confirmation bias is very strong, especially nowadays. People want to hear that they're right because it you know gives them a little endorphin spike. Um, so let's let's start with she, she in the video she talks about four categories, and I'm mostly interested in the first two. The first one was quantum computing. She does a quick overview of it. And then quantum communication, metrology, um, material science kind of things. But 
in the quantum computing thing, she's not really that bullish on things. She's she gives way to the fact that there are quantum computers and, you know, we're in the 50 usable qubit range and she makes a lot of good points. But then she compares it. She does two things that I really disagree with. One is she compares it to fusion, which I can't, I guess that's OK, but there's nothing in common engineering wise with fusion. We've made strides against noise and errors and things like that. I think it's more like where we were in the vacuum tube days of computing, where we weren't really sure what we were going to be using in the end, but we knew something was going to take the place. Uh, she says, you know, fusions, you know, been promising and promising for decades. Uh, and so it, at this point, I would ask, well, who's hurt her? But it's definitely fusion has hurt her. Um, and I don't see any reason to believe that the engineering problems of dealing with a million degrees Celsius is on the same order. We the va It's not like the refrigeration is the factor. It's not fundamental science. It's error correction and, and, and things like that that are the problem. So I, I kind of question the analogy of saying, well, this is fusion all over again. So it'll be decades of promises, broken promises. But she also gives way that eventually fusion will be a thing. So, okay, well, if it's not a dead end, then then the winter is is unfounded. There's no reason for there to be a winter, you know. So that's the first. The second is she says that Moore's law, she, she doesn't state it outright, but she says we won't be helped by Moore's law because we're already at the edge. And I think that's wrongheaded. So if you look at something I bring up before, um, there was a study, I, I, I focus on, on uh, Shor's algorithm, as, as you and, and most of the people who listen to the show know, because of my security background. Um, and, and there was a paper in 2015 that said that it would take a billion physical qubits to, to break RSA 2048, which is the, the, the gold standard right now for, for uh, asymmetric encryption. If that breaks, then all bets are off on the internet right now. So that was the goal. And they, they said, well, if we had a, a billion physical qubits, we could correct the errors to a sufficient point where we could break RSA 2048. A short four years later, another paper came out that showed that only 20 million qubits would be needed because of advances in error correction and, and another, another other factors. That's a pretty big that's faster than Moore's law. If if you take it as far as a, as a negative of Moore's law, not how many bits we get, but how many we need for the purpose. And there's lots of controversy over how many qubits it will take to do this if we had perfect qubits. Some people estimate a few thousand, and others estimate a million. So, what's the other side of that equation? We're recording this shortly after IBM's announced a 400 qubit processor. They had a 127 qubit processor last year. They're talking about a thousand qubit processor next year. And they're talking about a 4,000 qubit processor in 2025, 20, I think. 2024. That's yeah. a processor a year. They've, you know, they haven't, what, what concerns me a little bit, and this was something that Richard Campbell talked to me about offline. Uh, he may have mentioned it to you because I know you talked to him a lot too, is he said he's a little concerned that he hasn't heard much about these processors being used to solve problems and that maybe there's a problem or maybe we're just before the curve. We're still in this, in the, you know, we're trying to, we're building blocks phase. Uh, but that's, a if you look at Moore's law, that's faster than Moore's law. So going from a thousand to 4,000 is a quadrupling in one year. Let's say it's 18 months. Let's say they start at the beginning of the year, they release a chip and they release the 4,001 at the end of the year. That's still twice as fast as Moore's Law. Moore's Law promises twice as many bits 
in 18 months at the same price point. And I don't know if the price point's the same, but we're getting four times in, in maybe even less than 18 months. So if IBM keeps to their numbers, we're, we're beyond Moore's law. And we also have that, the benefit of that, that glide path of, we don't just need more qubits. We need better error correction. And there's been a lot of news about that. There's been a lot of discoveries about how to, how to do that. So I think the, one of the, the worst statements in that video is that, is that Moore's law doesn't apply. We're not going to be helped by Moore's law. I think that's just wrong. There's, um, there's another, another twist to this, Patrick, which I, I personally don't agree to. And that's, if you look maybe at the last, what, five, six, seven years even, Moore's law in classical computing has not really been supported by going to smaller sizes, but by jamming more and more and more of the same thing, right, in, 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 in the chips. That's true. So it's, it's not really that Moore's law relies cores. exclusively on getting to smaller and smaller and smaller scales, right? And this kind of breaks the argument that we've seen there that, yeah, but with quantum, you are already at the fundamental particle level, so there's no way to go deeper than that. We don't seek to go deeper than that with quantum, right? We're taking the same approach in quantum that Moore's law has been supported by in the last five years, meaning we go parallel, right? We multiply things. We, we, We kind of... Uh, uh, develop and we research ways in which we can put more qubits uh, in the same processor, allow more qubits to be entangled and and, and so forth. So that's just plain wrong, right? The analogy, while it's a powerful one, it's just plain wrong. You know, it's funny you say that because when I heard that, I didn't think, I, I assumed, I made the bad assumption. I assumed everyone knew that the last few rounds of processing Moore's Law have really been more around adding cores to processors. Last last exactly. processor we bought was like sixty four cores or something like that. Well, we had a a, a, couple, a guest who was talking about trying to get to a million qubits, and he talked about not having a million qubits on the same board, but figuring out how the boards could share information and communicate so that you could parallelize them. Such we might find out that the the that you can only get to ten or twelve or even five physical qubits on a board and that's it. And after that, you need another board. So then the challenges have making them talk to each other. And I don't even know the architecture of the IBM chips, to be honest. We need to get them on here to talk about that a little bit. Um, Absolutely. But but you're right. You're right. That's an actual fundamental uh, thing that you and I think about and I take for granted. And it's another aspect of Moore's law. Uh, um, I, I think some of the disadvantage here might be, I'm sure, um, her, her video, her, her degrees are in physics and I'm sure she knows quite a lot about computing, but you and I have spent lifetimes in computing. And so some of the things that we take for granted, like a a more granular understanding of what Moore's law is based on because we keep track of chips. That's a good point. So those things, and, and honestly in her video, she doesn't really attack quantum nearly as quantum computing nearly as much as other things like metrology and stuff like that, which I don't really have a dog in that fight nearly as much. What I did think is she talked about, um, you know, being able to break encryption. All the countries she listed in the beginning, China, Russia, the United States, Japan, 
all those countries have a dog in this fight and none of them. And this is me as a, as a West Point graduate and somebody who knows a lot of people who wear stars. There is no country in that list that can afford to stop spending in this field until it is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, no opinion involved, that it can't do what they're promising. And I don't think anybody's going to prove that because I'm pretty sure it can't. So if it takes 20 years, there's a reason fusion reactors are still being funded, even though they keep promising and promising. It's because the, the results of not pursuing it is we never realize the best energy Unacceptable. source in the world. Exactly. Well, for security, if someone can break, even if we change, even if we change all of our encryption to something else, those countries are still going to pursue it because of all the data that's come before and all the stuff that they've gathered in the past. So I think that the, and I think that's a big part of what's staving off winter government spending, government buying. Now I, I, I'll be honest with you. After I watched this video, I went and did some homework and there was a couple of things that I, I kind of thought might be true, but I wasn't sure. I think D wave, for example, is kind of the poster child for a commercial company. That's I thought making money off of quantum IBM. Microsoft, they can spend $15 billion, $100 billion, and kind of write it off over time and expect to make it back in decades. But D-Wave's a more, more of a startup. And I took a look at some of the numbers, and, and don't quote me here, I'm not, I'm not reporting anything, but it looked like they were spending about 10 times a quarter what they were taking in, roughly. And that's because they're still in, you know, still building their market, they're still establishing things. But they are bringing in millions of dollars a quarter but they are outspending, but that's normal in, in a, in a startup space. Now the question is, and the question relative to the winter is, are their backers going to like finally say, no, that's not the case. And I don't think that's the case. I think the government, we had a guest here from both D wave and, uh, Los Alamos national laboratory. And so you've got government is probably one of the big customers on, you know, supporting this and supporting companies like D-Wave. I don't think the winters is going to be as bad because usually when the governments are spending, winter gets canceled. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely absolutely true. And the the other thing that was interesting to me because that's uh let's say uh, a more not necessarily delicate but a more complicated topic, which is the lack of algorithms. Right. Yeah. Which uh, at, at like if you look at the surface of it and if you look at it like from 10,000 feet, everybody's talking about Deutsch Josa, which is the fundamental quintessential kind of approach, which is an algorithm that solves something that does nothing. Right. right? So and then you have uh, uh, you have Shore and Grover, which are like the, the poster child uh, algorithms. And then you have. What essentially are multiple variations of of those of those algorithms, and then the typical kind of uh, 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 argument there is, uh, yeah, but these are not really useful, and and you can actually uh, provide some some very like compelling reasons why, in the current forms, right, they're not useful. The computers are not powerful enough, or in the case of Grover, is how do you even bring in the data to do the search and, 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 and so forth, which is one side of the coin, which I actually fully agree with, right? On the other hand, there are two things here that from my point of view are very, very important, right? 
what was the number of algorithms that we had back in the 50s, in the last century, when we were still building stuff, right, uh, out of, of, of lamps and the early embodiments of transistors and things like that. We were mostly using those things to do complex, at the end of the day, arithmetic calculations. Yeah. That was the purpose of that thing, right? We didn't have back then deep neural networks. Uh, we were not solving uh, uh, complex Fourier transformations. We were actually, we were not doing most of the things that we do today with classical computing. So arguing that because right now the number of algorithms and their variations is fairly limited, and hence this is the doom and gloom, uh, is I think it's it's a very difficult argument to to sustain, right? So let's let's make the assumption because we did talk to a couple people who talked about the number of N and P, you know, problems out there, and that this might be not a dead end but a, a small short small runway. So let's assume that there aren't going to be a, a, a ton of other algorithms that'll like be earth shattering. You know, we got Grover for search; it's faster. We think we've got Shore, which is for for uh, factoring. We it's faster. We that one's pretty well proven, and and let's say no other real big like out of the blue things come forward. Well, we're taking for granted a couple things. One is Fourier transform. Quantum Fourier transform is a real thing. We can do that, and I think that in itself it's a component of Shore, but we kind of gloss over the fact that we have that. That's an algorithm. So there's component algorithms that are in there that we will definitely use. But if you just take that and put it aside, there's two other areas, maybe three, maybe 18. I, but I can think of two right off the top of my head that will be earth shattering. One is quantum simulation. The ability to do simulation for weather, for business planning, for material science, can't it can't be overstated. That is a multi-trillion dollar business in my opinion. And it, if, if it just did that, you didn't have to talk about anything else and it would pay the bills and it would stave off winter for centuries because we have to do that. We have to do, we, we, we keep trying to build. The reason there's still a, a, a supercomputer market is because we have these problems, these frontiers we still haven't touched. And quantum can and will help in those areas. We, we know that for sure, especially in material science. The other is communication. It's not gonna be faster than light. I, I don't really see that as a problem. Whenever I, it's a question I get. I spoke at West Point um, recently and I mentioned that and there were some definitely some questions. And you know me, I've had some questions about it. We talked about quantum coordination and but there's no quantum you know faster speed and light but the quantum internet for the people who actually are paying attention to it and putting money into it i doubt anybody is really putting money into it thinking they're going to get faster than light communication and so the the thing that's going to decide whether there's a winter is the sources of money not it's not like consumer based this isn't the same as um nfts or any crypto coin this isn't decided by Twitter or Instagram or any of that stuff. This thing is decided by hard numbers. Is this going to work and then be profitable and make money? The fact that D-Wave is still making money, the fact that I believe that one qubit is probably making money, 
and the fact that the governments are going to keep spending, I think winter is an overblown statement. Could could things die down a little bit as some people realize their use cases aren't as in- interesting or their technologies are dead ends? Yeah, of course. We, we might find out that trapped ion or photonics or even superconducting, which I doubt, could be a dead end and something bigger could emerge. The fermion might be the the, the holy grail. Maybe we find a breakthrough in photonics uh, like that hollow core fiber optic we talked about with our friend from BT. Um, we don't know. That's the thing is, is the, it's an exciting area because no one can predict it. We can't predict what we're going to run into for roadblocks and we can't predict what we're going to run into for, you know, things that free us up. Yeah. And, and then again, I, I believe it, again, looking back at history, cause that teaches us a lot of things, right? Uh, I don't think, Either of the two, meaning working machines and co- computing capacity versus algorithms, can actually, uh, let's say, take a, a huge lead compared to the other. If you look at classical computing, yes, there were they developed at different speeds. Sometimes we found some algorithms that we didn't have the computing power to implement, but at some point, computing power caught up. Like think of neural networks. A good mm-hmm. example, right? But they go usually hand in hand. Sometimes you have algorithms that are, are let's say, uh, uh, much better or, or have high demands on the computing power and the computing power is not there. Sometimes you realize you are not using efficiently all the computing power that you have. But usually they kind of go hand in hand, right? So expecting just like a, an explosion in algorithms while... We are still having working machines at the order of tens of qubits, right? I don't think it's realistic. And hence, I don't think it's a reason to predict the doom and gloom of, of the whole, of the whole thing. But getting back to the, to the comparison with, with, um, with, uh, with uh, fusion, right? As, uh, incidentally, fusion is a topic that I, I watch very, very closely. Um, because I believe it's humanity's best bet still with all the disappointments and all the, oh yeah, it's going to be solved in the next 10 year kind of messaging. I still think it's our best bet to kind of solve in a sustainable way the, the, the energy crisis of this planet that it's worsening by the decade, right? Because now we start to understand much better what is the real pl- what is the real price of renewable energy as well right what is the type of waste that renewable energy generates now that we see the first generation of uh photovoltaic materials being decommissioned and we realize that decomposing them is virtually impossible so it's generating a type of waste that it's almost impossible to process right and, and, and moving on, uh, but I don't want to, to get into this rabbit hole, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think this, the, I think fusion is, is, is humanity's best bet. And I think because of that, hype in that field was something that kind of occurred almost instantly, right? It's like, yeah, this is going to be the thing that, that solves. And you were seeing the articles every now and then, like, yes, uh, this is, uh, we are creating a small sun and, and, and things like that, right? Yeah. So that is a field that has its fair share of hype. 
And many, many times the reality just goes like a footnote, right? And it's like, I've recently seen titles like, yes, this team of researchers was able to uh, make it work and so forth. And then at the footnote is, by the way, the reaction was sustained for like two seconds or three seconds or five seconds, right? That's like the purest form of hype that we've seen there. But if you take away that hype, the developments, the sheer real developments in the field of fusion are nothing short of spectacular, right? If you look at what did the first spherical tokamak look and what does the latest one that is built in the ITER project in, in, in Europe, what does it look like, right? It, it's light years of, 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 of difference. Did it take 10 years to get there? No, it didn't, right? Were we promised every decade that we are just 10 years away from that? Yes, we did. But, and, and that's where I believe quantum computing and, and fusion are very similar in terms of the fact that hype exists and serves certain interests, whether commercial or not, doesn't really matter. So the fact that hype exists does not mean that the field is A, doomed, or B, that the field is actually not evolving. So this is uh, my kind of fundamental disagreement with, with, with the video that we're talking about is I'm okay to fight hype while or provided that you disconnect the two things, right? Let's let's discuss about hype separately and let's discuss about the real accomplishments separately, right? And then you can you can kind of dismantle all the hype without actually putting the real accomplishments into a, a footnote which is unfortunately what that 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 video did. Yeah, there's there's everything you're saying. I, I agree with 100. percent There's there are things that are that are susceptible here. There's I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I heard I read an article that the the Chinese government was claiming in 2015 that they could use quantum to detect stealth fighters, stealth bombers, and at the time. It caused a lot of, well, you know, this is a problem. You know, this is, you know, we got to, but there was no examples or proof that I saw. Maybe they existed. I don't know how one would do that without a real quantum computer. And there was no, there's been no demonstration that IBM is being dwarfed by anything the Chinese built. So could that be hype? Could that have just been a, hey, you know, back up. I've got a gun in my pocket kind of thing. Well, okay, show me the gun. No, Um, if I show it to you, I'm going to have to shoot you. So it's. It's it, it, there is hype there. There are there's going to be startups that are going to promise things that they're never going to be able to deliver. There's, that's 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 the way the world works. It's going to have to be that way. But <clears throat> I think that it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, if you if you draw the conclusion that the whole thing's going uh, going away uh, again, she and- didn't, she didn't point out much in the in the way of real economic like why these investors would go cold why this would be concluded to be a failure. So there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of economics discussed, just a prediction. Sorry, go ahead. Now, no, the other thing that was, was like very disturbing to me was naming out some startups. And indeed, 
the ones that, that were kind of named out there, they were just outrageous examples. Like yeah. we are building the whatever quantum thing and, 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 and so forth, right? And let's just back one step and think, I believe in 2020, or I think it was 2020, there was a research published that showed that north of 70% of the startups that had AI or machine learning in their description or name yeah. were actually not doing anything related to AI or, or machine learning. So startup hype is not something that is specific to quantum computing, right? We've actually seen that in classical computing so many times, right? Remember the, the dot-com bubble, Patrick? Yeah. When all you need to do was just bring up a shitty website and you would get a million or $5 million just for showing that you have an accessible URL, right? Yeah. That, that was the dot-com. What fueled that and what were the reasons behind that is an entirely different discussion. But the startup hype where startups are kind of, let's say, profiting from the context where A, there is money in the market and B, there are buzzwords that almost automatically attract that money. That's not something that is specific to quantum computing. No, no we've seen all. that in the industry. We've seen that in many, many, many cycles. So again, right? I, I, it, it was disturbing to me because I would expect, honestly, from uh, a respected scientist to kind of weigh in the facts, pointing out a couple of granted outrageous marketing messages for some startup in quantum. And then generalizing by saying, yeah, this is what you see and look at the hype and they're all lying and, and they're like, like all, all going to be doomed in a, in, a, in, a couple of, in a couple of years, while not even mentioning that, you know what, this has happened in much, much worse ways with classical computing, right? I think it's just unfair to the, to, to yeah. the, to the audience. This is what I say by fighting hype with hype. Yeah, and I, I think it's more likely that this is a hot take. This was this was someone who's very well informed in most things and who's not paying attention to quantum computing as a whole and sees things that are that are upsetting to the senses and and drawing conclusions from limited data, which we all do at some time. So I still have a lot of respect uh for Sabina Hassenfelder. I I watch her videos, I you know, you know, she's, but she's cynical. She is a cynical person. Uh, she's quick to point out when things are wrong, which is great. That's what you want. You need a cynical eye, but I think you're right in this case. Um, it, it's a bit of an overreaction and, and it's a good conversation to have. We, we need to have this conversation. That's, that's, that's what I kind of, cause I think we're, we're getting close to, uh, to being at time with, with our today's discussion, but that's, that's all I wanted to point out. I mean, Fundamentally, the fact that this video exists, right, is from my point of view, very, very good, Yeah. right? Uh, because even as I said in the beginning, I'm kind of going full circle, right? Um, obviously, both you and I, we disagree with, 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 with some of the stuff, maybe a lot of the stuff that has been said there, right? Uh, 
at the same time, though, it's a very kind of surgical, right, uh, kind of analysis on most of the things that are wrong with quantum computing and raising the the exclamation points, raising kind of the red flags is the only way to 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 move to move forward, right? We might not agree with the conclusions. We obviously don't agree with the fact that five years from now or ten years from now, everyone who's who's in, in research in quantum will be just kind of a failure from an academic point of view, and they will need to find other kind of ways to to earn a living and 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 so forth. Just as a side note, like I. I can't imagine like our uh, uh, one of our recent guests, right? We had uh, no. uh, uh, like like Bob, for example, right yeah. from Continuum, right? I can't imagine Bob having to look for a different field, no. right? In, in 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 terms of so we might not agree with, with with that, but at the end of the day, and I I'd like to kind of uh, our our audience to to get our message and our discussion the right way right we agree with the fact that this video exists and we agree with the fact that it's a good thing to point out what's going wrong and we agree that there are even i would dare to say many things that are going wrong in quantum computing hype being probably the worst of 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 them right but that doesn't mean the field is doomed and no. doesn't mean that we are kind of uh, seeing a high probability of this being a, a dead end. Well, what do they say that uh, uh, bad news travels around the world before good news can get its shoes on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> something I, I probably butchered that. But I'll give you another example before we before we wrap this up. Uh, Bob, you mentioned him when we've talked to him a couple of times now. Um, he mentioned the fact that they're they're tying this to linguistics, and they're finding all sorts of places to and and you know I don't I don't expect that the the YouTube video um, personality knows that she's she's in physics but you can't you can't know everything hell we didn't know it I didn't know anything about that um, and so when artificial intelligence and quantum computing mix together watch out you know it's Shor's algorithm is a really good example there's three technologies I think that move the world and that that put people on their heels right now one is ai which is machine learning to a large extent right now but but ai in general one is cyber because it scares most people um and the other is quantum because it mystifies most people when you combined quantum and cyber you got shore's algorithm and that's funding what's going to probably be happening for the next decade uh when you put ai and quantum together you know, that's, that's, I think that's going to be a big revolution. So we need to talk more about that. Um, maybe we'll get Bob on, you know, more often, uh, as a guest. Most, most definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, so, so haunt hype is fact. I think the episode will probably be called hype fact, quantum hype factor fiction. Hype is a fact. It's something you have to pay attention. You have to watch out for, for claims it, it, you can enable yourself by watching if they describe the fundamentals well. One of the hardest things to do is explain in a few sentences what quantum superposition superposition, and what entanglement mean. And when they make a mistake there, you can assume they're going to make mistakes in the conclusions. Um, and so maybe that's one of the ways that we watch for it. And we'll continue to do shows when we see something that's oversimplified. 
Because what did Einstein say? He said, things should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. Exactly. And and I believe uh, one of the things that I we we were trying to 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 kind of keep like as a as a let's say uh, uh, guiding path throughout all our episodes is taking that realistic kind of middle stand where we don't fall for the hype, right? But we try also to be uh, as realistic as possible. Uh, with respect to what's possible, with respect to what's been doing, with respect to the efforts that literally hundreds of research teams are are doing at uh, around the world to, to, to today. So I think hype, as you say, will is here to stay. We won't get rid of hype, especially in quantum in quantum computing. So um, what I would suggest to our audience is always when you see any kind of glamorous title or any kind of uh, article that leaves you with a wow, go ahead and and research the basic facts, exactly, exactly. As, you, as you said, Patrick, right? Go yeah. ahead, re- research the uh, You will find tons of research papers. You will find tons of, of, of alternative information that will allow you to, so to speak, read between the lines. Yeah, exactly. Well, 40 minutes went away very quickly. Uh, always great to talk to you. And we like having our guests, but it's always good to just have a, a conversation between us. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, I think we've uh, exhausted. Uh, we've done a, we, we've done like we, we weren't expecting this episode to be this long, to be honest. Like I'm just giving out from our kind of inner workings, right? But it turned out to be a, a, a quite interesting discussion. Uh, and I think we've covered most of the aspects. So it always that, that, is. this was this was a, a good talk, as always, Patrick. And maybe we should do this a little more often. Take on news of the day and say, well, you know, what we think and and what the announcements might mean. This might be uh, a, another yes. mix. All right. Well, I can't wait to talk to you again, and we'll see everybody else soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye.